Jesus, okay? It's coming. You'll see it, all right? Uh, but let's invite him up. And, and Peter, we've got ushers with uh, outlines and bulletins if you want to follow along. If you didn't get one at the door on your way in, pens if you want to take notes. And then there's prayer request cards. Uh, we would love to know how to pray for you or how to thank God uh, for something that he's already done for you. And so get one of those, fill that out, drop it in the offering plate at the end, and we'll know how to go forward. We are Jonah chapter 3. I was a little bit... um. I was, I was a little bit perplexed. I almost wanted to spend the day and just talk about Brent's sermon and chapter two and some of the things. I just wanted to reiterate them. Like they were so, it was so good, the points and stuff. Um, so again, second commercial, go back and hit chapter two uh, because we're halfway through the book now. Uh, we're halfway through the book. Chapter three begins uh, the second half and the whole thing. Uh, and there's some great truths. The book is almost uh, designed to be two halves. Uh, and you're, you're going to see that in a second when we get started. Um, but a lot of fun. And Jonah's starting to learn his lesson. Uh, but we're going to see that Jonah needs directions. Uh, the people of Nineveh need directions. Uh, and, and we know where we get our directions, right? Where do we get our directions? Mark, where do we get our directions? There you go. Okay. All right. So uh, let's pray, and then uh, we'll figure out how, how Jonah and we get directions. Lord, thank you for this morning. And thank you for all the ministries and things and opportunities we have uh, to get around you and help others get around you. And Lord, that's what we need directions for. Understanding you, connecting with you, pursuing you. And then, Lord, doing it in a way that is attractive and... and uh, beneficial for others around us so lord we thank you for this book for jonah for the lessons you taught him for the lessons you taught the people of nineveh lord for the statements and things that the king of the ninevites said just pray lord that uh, you would take all of those uh instill them in our hearts and change us a little and so lord we pray this all in your son's name amen all right jonah chapter three here begins second half of the book uh the word of the lord came to Jonah the second time. This is fun uh, because this is pretty much the same as how the, the book starts, right? Where the Lord came to Jonah and he said, um, here's, here's something you need to pay attention to. Why is it coming to him a second time? <laughs> First time didn't work. Uh, in fact, that's like the politically correct way of saying it. And not, and not only didn't work, it went horribly wrong, right? Halloween came early. Uh, it, it, we're never meant to get to second half of the book. In, in reality, in real life, when God comes and speaks to us and say, hey, it's time to turn. It's time to do something. Here's some directions. We should take it and run with it, right? Uh, in fact, uh, this should have been the beginning of the book. Right? Because watch, watch what happens. Uh, uh, he comes a second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. It's almost identical to what was said in the first chapter. Right? It's doing that on purpose to, to, to spark your memory. So Jonah arose. There we go. That's where it should have been chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 3 should have said, So Jonah arose. 
Uh, I pointed out uh, week one, chapter one, the idea of uh, rising, going up, and the the idea of going down. Went down into the ship, went down into the belly of the whale. Uh, All the time, God saying, arise. The captain of the boat says, hey, arise, get up, talk to your God. Maybe he will relent, whatever, that kind of thing. This difference between going up and going down. Uh, Beginning of the book, when God says, let's go up, what should we be doing? Going up. What's going up look like for you? It's different for everybody. Talking to God is a good general one that we can all say. But going up for you, God's got specific directions for what that looks like. He had very specific... He's not, God's not going to say go to Nineveh to you. Okay? One, it doesn't exist anymore. Okay? But understand the idea that when God gives you directions, they weren't meant to be evaluated you always, um, you know, I love the Bible. Absolutely love the Bible. And it, and it always pains me when I hear people talk about the Bible as something they're evaluating. As, as if they're, they're trying to see whether it's valid or, or whether they should follow it or what's wrong with it. That's one kind of evaluation. There's a whole other kind of evaluation that I hope and you feel we do on Sunday mornings. We evaluate it to understand it, to do it, to follow the directions. Uh, there's this great idea in, in, in our faith that we not need be perfect. We don't have to be perfect, but we do have to be obedient. We do have to try. We do have to make an effort. In fact, this story is a great story because no one in the story is perfect. And regardless of their mistakes and how they misstep, God gives them all an opportunity to turn and go the right direction. That requires us to understand the directions, evaluate his word, and then say, okay, now I'm going to act on it. Jonah is finally deciding to act on it. Positively, He acted on it the first time. He just acted on, hey, let's run down to Joppa and jump a ship and let's get out of here. Right? Acting the proper way is what we're really looking at. So Jonah arose, went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three day journey in breadth. Uh, this is, they've taken a little bit of liberty in the translation, the ESV. Uh, it, it doesn't say breadth, actually, in the, in the original language. There's a lot of argument as to what does this phrase mean? What is this three day journey? time designation uh in fact we did uh studied it uh in seminary and the idea it's like there's some there's some kind of correlation between three-day journey but we don't know what it means Uh, it could be that from where jonah was spit out of the fish there's a great city and there's a great journey to get there three days to get there right and then there's all these arguments about well it has to be no the city was three days wide in travel and what's a what's a day's travel that's that's what you're allowed to travel on a sabbath or what a normal person would travel on a regular day I and mean, it's all these arguments waste of time what's the point it's a big city and it's going to take some work to get there it wasn't easy god's direction's easy it's not the point it's just not the point uh Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. Here's where they say, oh, no, it had to be three days. Why? Because he went a day's journey in. Well, that's not always how it works. 
Uh, I would want to draw attention to three days as in three days in the belly of the whale, correlation to the first half of the story. Uh, there's also three days. There's another three days later in Scripture. Anybody know who it had to do with, Mark? Jesus. Yeah, he was, uh, was dead three days and then resurrected, right? Came up, right? Jonah came up out of the fish after three days. Uh, a day's journey into the city, he starts to talk. A day's journey into the fish, he starts to talk, right? Chapter 2, the prayer. Could have been, he was a day into that experience and he realized, well, what have I got myself into? Time to start talking. Uh, interesting in that God's asked Jonas to start talking and he doesn't talk. In fact, we get very little dialogue out of him, even with the shipmates uh, when he's trying to run. But as soon as he finally gets in trouble, then he starts talking to God. Maybe at the beginning of his fish ordeal, at the beginning of his Nineveh ordeal, he's going to start talking. Okay? Jonah began to go into the city a day's journey and he called out. First time. Should have been doing that in the first half, calling out to them. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Good news? In, the, um, in, in church life, in Christianity, uh, we have this thing that we say. We say, the gospel, right? It's kind of fun to say that way, too. The gospel. Uh, what, what is the gospel? Do, does anybody know what, uh, the or, or origination of that word, euangelion, Greek? It means good news. Is this, is this good news? We talk about God as the God of good news, and I mean, ultimately, the gospel has become has come to mean the good news of Christ and His death and resurrection and our opportunity at salvation, forgiveness, sinlessness, obedience, all those kind of things. Uh, you know, originally, uh, Evangelion only meant good news. I imagine back in the day, if they had television, they'd turn on the TV in order to catch the evening good news, the evening Evangelion. But over time, it's become this thing that's just about the cross and Christ. I want to challenge you on that a little bit. Does God have more good news, more directions than just the cross for you? It's kind of weird to say just the cross. As if there's more than the cross, right? Uh, But I wonder if we could think of the cross as kind of the first step. In what are meant to be many more steps of good news why would yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overturned overthrown Uh, overthrown overturned it's an argument I want to make because we need directions and when we ask for directions we need to know where to turn right hence the title for this morning Uh, why would that be good news this is not a kindergarten question most of the time I ask you kindergarten questions right anybody could answer it you know, or I give you the obvious one, but you don't answer it. And then I call on Mark. He says, Jesus. Okay, this one's not Jesus. All right. Why would that be good news? Yeah? No, what do you say? I missed it. A chance to repent. It's a, you got an opportunity. It doesn't sound like it in some ways, right? It sounds like, hey, uh, settle, settle your accounts because you got 39 more days and it's over. Right? Have a, have a big party. Uh, but the implication, the assumption is, do you want to do anything about this? Do you want to repent? Do you want to turn? 
Guys, I want to, I want to, I want this to sink in. I want you to catch this. Long before the threat or the promise, this is great news because what does it mean? It means who's paying attention? Mark, God's paying attention. Does this mean God cares? Why send a messenger? Just destroy him. A lot of other stories where there was no messenger, it's just psh, turn him over. Literally. God cares. Cares enough to go fight with Jonah, drag him through the ocean and the fish and the fighting and the arguing and get him two chapters later to come and show up. Why? So that he can deliver a message. Why? So that they have a chance to repent. That's great news. That is the gospel before the gospel. Love that. Uh, uh, there's more gospel for you than just the gospel. That is a great reality of our relationship with the Lord that he, his love for us goes beyond just the simple act of his son's sacrifice on your behalf. But he wants to engage you before you understood it, before you accepted it, while you're learning about it, and beyond after you've taken it, and keep interacting with you. That's great news. It's gospel. Uh, challenges, uh, where do you look for the gospel in your life? Where do you look for God's good news in your life? Because that's going to play out in different ways for every person, just like your directions are different than everybody else's, right? Uh, but yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown at first glance looks horrible. But if you really think about it, this is great. So you're saying there's a chance. Verse five, and the people of Nineveh believed God. <laughs> what? That never happened. This is a, I want that to happen on Main Street in Pleasanton, right? When we got the booth and people are coming by, can I just say, hey, you know, you should repent because you, you could die in 40 days and have them just say, oh, you know what? I think, yeah, you're in. Uh, where do I sign? <laughs> well, it doesn't work that way. Uh, how simple, how easy, in stark, defined contrast to any other prophet that God said to any other Jewish people. He would, they would go and they would talk and they would, you know, proclaim and declare and all this stuff and they would fight and argue and it would go poorly. And God said, well, I told you it would go poorly because I told you your hearts are hard and your ears, you have ears to hear, but you do not hear. Eyes to see, but you do not see. And yet here are these Ninevites, godless other people, believe God. They just believe God. That good news? Folks, Jonah didn't want to go. We're going to find out next chapter. He's going to tell us, I didn't want to go because I knew what you were going to do. God cares about people that are different or look beyond saving, beyond hope. And, and here's, the, here's like one of the good gospel messages. There is no such thing as loss of hope with God. No matter how bad it gets, no how different they look, uh, no how far or what you've done or how long it's been, there's always a chance his desire is for salvation. 
Love that Brent pointed out last week. God brought the fish. The fish was the salvation. You don't know what that means unless you listen to last week. Okay, so you got, there you go. Third commercial. Uh, the people of Nineveh believe God. Amen? Amen? And they called for a fast. Wait, they're fasting? Did they even fast? Did they know what fasting was? Was this the first time? These aren't Jews. They're not God's chosen people. All of a sudden, they're doing Jewish practice. What? They've not just believed, now they're acting on They're trying something new. Why? They got directions. Isn't that awesome? They fast and then they put on sackcloth, uh, sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. How many? Oh, one of our favorite words here at Rock Bible Church. All, we got several favorite words. All, every, both. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, how often do you fast? me that one scott take the knife out of my back oh no uh you know that's it's commanded it's expected jesus said hey uh when you fast and then gives us directions on fasting side note commercial for some other sermon some other time let's keep going uh from the greatest of them to the least of them and then the word reached the king of nineveh now have the people acted They've, they've repented. They've uh, uh, turned. Now the king finds out. Uh, word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne and said, Why have you forsaken me and followed some other god and not followed my direction? Is that what he did? Watch what the king does. He removes his robe, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation. Huh. Now, I know we're talking about sackcloth and ashes and people believing God, but something just happened that should hearken us back, mostly because I wanted to say hearken us back, uh, to something that has already happened a couple times. The boss is talking now. Has the boss talked before? Think. A couple times at least, right? How's the book start? And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Didn't, was the boss talking? How did chapter 3 start? And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Is the boss talking? We have the boss talking again. Different boss, different audience. Uh, but by the way, we, there was another boss who talked. Who gave a proclamation or a declaration. And, and maybe this one's a little more obscure. But the captain of the ship in the midst of the storm starts giving directions it's very interesting in chapter 3 to start to see uh, how many times now in the book we have directions given and then of those times how many times are they followed and how many times are they ignored fascinating for this one is the people already knew what to do before the king said it and we're going to come back to that in a little bit uh and published through Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. What's that sound like? We just said the people decide they're fasting, okay? Uh, and let them not feed or drink water. Let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And watch this one. Let them call out mightily to God. And say to their God, what's the implication? 
hey, I think you guys should pray. And don't just pray. Pray like Ernest Lee. You know Ernest Lee? He's a good prayer. He prays earnestly. Mightily call out to God. What's happening here? Are they turning? Even the king is turning? Fascinating. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that in his, is in his hands. This is awesome because what he's saying is we've got to turn from evil. The very first time the word of the Lord comes to Jonah in chapter 1, he says, go to Nineveh and speak to them because their evil has come up before me. Here's the king. Wasn't told that the evil has come up. Jonah says, yet 40 days and you will turn. Doesn't say evil, but the king gets it. There is good and there is bad. And I will label them. And I will label them according to God Almighty. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, Turn from this and the violence that's in their hands. And then verse 9, and this is, uh, give you a little section of this at the top of your outline. Who knows? Great question. God may turn. God may turn. Great question. This is a verse and it's in scripture. Is it theology or not? It's said by a secular king who has zero training, probably, other than whatever Jonas told him and maybe what he's heard through the grapevine. Uh, and so w- what do we do with it? Is it descriptive or prescriptive? It's very interesting because, you know, throughout Scripture, you have to look at it. Is it they're just telling you a story of what happened or they're telling you a story of what you should do and, and emulate as well. What should you follow? Uh, this one, I would argue, is, is both, right? God may turn, and, and it's a great question for us. Is, a God, is our God the kind of God that turns? Uh, it's, it's a book about repentance and Nineveh turning. And now we've turned that question on God and asked, is he, that t- is he the kind of God that would be like what he's asking his people to do? Change behavior. It's very, uh, very interesting flip. And relent and turn from his fierce anger. New American Standard, I like the way it says it there. It says that God may turn and withdraw his burning anger. There's one turn and now he's going to pull back something. Uh, And now it's not just turning, but he's actively protecting, pulling something back. Uh, Love the way it says it in that translation better than this one. Uh, Doesn't happen too often, but uh, so that we may not perish. What a great theological question. Is God the kind of God, who knows, that wants us to survive? The king's kind of getting it. He sent someone to us to send us a message of salvation. Folks, are you catching how fun this is? Does this sound like anything that you're going to read a couple thousand years later? Maybe that's the kind of God he is. Isn't that the question we want people asking who've yet to know God? That it could actually work, that he actually wants people to be saved, safe, clear, understanding, healthy, progressing, 
all the other good newses beyond just salvation? It's a great, great question. Uh, and it's meant to show the contrast between Jonah and the king of Nineveh. Jonah's a mess every day of the week on this one. And yet this king uh, doesn't get the message directly. The word comes to him, right? Through social media. And he figures it out, not actually hearing from God or Jonah himself. And he's not just stumbling onto good theology. He's not stumbling onto the character of God. He's discerning it. And I like that a lot more. Because in your relationship with God... Here's, here's, a, here's one for you, okay? Here's one for you. It's not in the notes, no, right? You will never stumble onto anything. You will figure it out because he's designed you to figure it out. He will put it in place in front of you to where it feels like you stumbled on it or you ran, onto it, ran into it on accident or you turned and, oh, look what God did. But it wasn't a stumbling. It was intentional on his part. You will never just stumble into it. The king didn't just walk into this and go, oh, wow. The king went, oh, wow. It's very different wows. Okay? So all of uh, Christendom can be explained by different wows. Uh, verse 10. When God saw... Love that. You love that? What just happened? He's looking. He's watching. Okay. Sorry. I, I just That's so much of a Bible nerd I am. I love this stuff. Okay. God's looking and saw what they did. Two great three-word combos. What, when God saw and what they did. <sighs> Why? They, respond, they followed directions. Right? Uh, look at the top of your outline. It says uh, Jonah chapter 3, and then it says, need directions? Question mark. Which means you have to say need directions. How, how would you have to say need directions? Are they ready? One, two, three. Uh, yeah, there's that little inflection in your, in, your, in your sentence, right? Need directions? What's the implied answer to that? Yes. <laughs> need directions? Yes, absolutely. And yet, all of us guys, when we're driving, how do we act? Uh, wait, hey, ladies, you are not allowed to look at your husband right now. You are not allowed to use your elbows or point your fingers, okay? We know we're guilty, right? Because it's human nature to think, I'm going to figure this one out on my own. And no, we need directions. When we get directions and we follow directions, here's how it goes. People turn. It starts to make sense. It's awesome. And God sees it and sees what you do, how... They turned from their evil way back to the original sentence of God's instruction to Jonah. They turned from the evil and God relented. Who knows? Maybe he might relent and turn from his fierce wrath, right? He relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. Did God turn? He did. Because he did not do it. What a great message, even for Jonah. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. All right, let's look at this. this. This chapter is way too much fun. It's probably, um, it's probably a two-sermon ch- 
chapter, but it's only 10 verses. I, I don't know. We have this tradition where we do a chapter a week, and at some, some point I'm going to break it, and we're going to end up going to two sermons per chapter or something, because there's so much cool stuff in this. But if, if you look at the outline, and you look at this idea in both verses 9 and verse 10, uh, actually in verse 8, the word turn is used also. Uh, three times in a row, it says, hey, look, may, maybe there's a turning. Maybe if we turn, you know what, God saw what they did, how they turned, right? Verse 9 was the question implying verse 10. Hey, what if God turns? Because why? Verse 8, we're going to turn and we're going to stop doing evil and we're going to do the sackcloth and the the fasting and the whole thing. Do we need directions? Hey, where do I turn? Right? Uh, It it, it requires um, us to ask some questions you know, one is, do you need directions? And we covered that a second ago. Yes, of course we need directions. Uh, but it's, it's this subordinate malfunction of humanity that we don't want a boss. We want to be independent. We want control. And we, we seek that out. And I, I, I hope that you're learning this concept that more people around, more people with hands on the rope, more people thinking about it, talking about it, participating. More people is better. Mostly because you don't jack it up on your own, right? Because when you do stuff on your own, let's be honest. Do I need to finish that thought? Okay. Uh, So here's some questions I think are begged. Uh, Do you know when to turn? Do you know when to turn? Jonah finally figures it out. Verse 3. So Jonah arose. Why? He's finally turning. Uh, and, and really this is meant to be chapter 1, not chapter 3. It took two chapters and more than three days, at least, for him to figure out when it was time to turn. And when he turns, it starts to go well. Verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God doesn't say turn, but it is as much turn as anything. That's what we're trying to get to. Uh, why isn't that they, they, they didn't argue? Reason it. Say, hold on a minute. We have to have seven committees and a potluck. Why did they turn so quickly? fundamental acknowledgement that they needed directions they understood that they were not enough on their own they didn't need to be preeminent it's a great uh, great concept for them and, and a great lesson for Jonah because Jonah didn't turn right the contrast is Jonah ran chapter one when Nineveh hears it they turn immediately they knew when it was time to turn verse six then the king he rose You think it's significant that the word arose is used there with the king? All this, all this talk of arising and arise, it's all about Jonah. And Jonah finally arises. He figures out when it's time to turn. And when he turns, someone else gets the opportunity to arise and turn as well. Great little piece there. Uh, when are you turning? In your relationship with the Lord, when are you taking directions to the point that it affects the people around you? 
and they recognize it's time as well. Time two. Two as in also. Uh, the way you turn is going to be different than anybody else's. Maybe you're, you're teaching a class or, or, or maybe uh, the cubicle next to you. Maybe how you interact with your boss. Maybe you are the boss and how you interact with the underlings. Don't use that word on them, by the way. Okay? Because um, that's what you need to turn from. Uh, a king arises and turns. And then verse 8, what's the king say? He says, let everyone turn. The king arises, that, uh, figures out that it's time. And he says, just make sure, just so that we say it out loud, it's time. What's the implication on, on that question? What, what's kind of the assumed answer? I say, hey, do we need directions? And you say, yes, right? Uh, what's the implied answer to question number one? Do you know when to turn? The answer is yes, you do. And when is that time? Now. It's always now. Even if it's time for you to sit back for a second, that's God's turning and you being patient and waiting because that's what you need to do when? Now. You know, God doesn't do later. If you think about it with you, God never does later. It's a weird way to think about it. But all of a sudden that candy is useless, right? Now and later. Remember those? Oh, they were awesome. They would have to change it. And that if God made them, they're just nows. Right? Hey, pass me a now. Do you got watermelon? They're really good. Um, second question, uh, do you know where to turn? Mark Heitzman. Where do we turn? There we go. Where do we turn? Uh, you know, everybody figures out that they need to turn to God. And all, say, no, notice that, the same verses, same references. Question number one, three, five, six, eight. Question number two, three, five, six, eight. Correlated? Hmm. They know when to turn, and when they turn, they, turn, they know where to turn. Generally, and, and here's... <laughs> I'm letting out all the secrets. At some point, you're all going to be able to do my job. You probably could do it now. Uh, when you meet with somebody, and they're going through conflict, there's just a couple really easy questions that they think they're talking to you to get the answers, but they know the first one you've already answered. Hey, when should you work on this? Like, when do you need to get started on this? No. Okay, you already knew that. All right. Um, what do you need to do? You know, generally people know that. You just got to draw it out of them. Fascinating concept. Then I don't really need to be an actual counselor. I just need to draw the answers out of them that they already know themselves. If they know that it's time to turn and where they're turning. Jonah learned the hard way. He thought he knew where to turn. I'm going to turn down to Joppa. I'm going to turn down into the boat. I'm going to turn down into the ocean. And then God says, oh no, we're going to turn you down into the fish. And then we're going to rise. He hit rock bottom. And then God brought him up from there. What are you going through? What kind of directions do you need? Every person's different, but the directions that you need, you probably know. I'd be hard-pressed to agree that you don't know what you need to do and when you need to do it. And here's the thing. 
the moment, the moment that you step that direction, it's going to start to work. Why? Because the king was right. He knew exactly what kind of God we're dealing with. He knew where to turn. Who knows? God may turn. Uh, Lastly, do you know your God? In the story, we had the king, right? You notice, like, verses 1 and through 3, you've got this interaction now where the word of the Lord comes to Jonah and a uh, second time, and God says, Arise, go to Nineveh, and to speak to them, and the message I'll give you. And then verse 3, it says, And Jonah arose, right? Because he's finally figured out his king. Right? He had a very rough... Uh, learning curve, a le- rough path, the first two chapters of that story. Oh, I know what my God's like now. I know who my king is. If I try to go the other direction, it will catastrophically hurt me. I know how he works now. So we get to chapter 3 and verse 1 through 3. Give us an explanation where Jonah knows now who his king is. They're pretty cool. We get to verses 5 and 7, and, and what do we have going on there? We have uh, the, these people who have figured out their king. Jonah comes, one day's journey in, says, hey, yet 40 days, you Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people turn. They say, hey, uh, strip down the clothes. We're going to wear sackcloth instead. We're going to rub ourselves with ash. We're going to start fasting and the whole deal. And yet king hasn't spoken a word. The people knew their king well enough that when they heard the message of Jonah, they knew how king would respond and they started doing it before king even made a declaration. Two verses later, king finds out and says, hey, you know what we should do? Oh, oh you're already doing it. Okay, well, let's just make it official here. <laughs> Done. Uh, we're doing sackcloth, by the way, and we're not eating in the whole thing. Right? Uh, how cool of the, of of the people to know their king that well that they knew what the response was before the king responded. How great for the king. In contrast to God and Jonah to have a people that knew what to do without having to be told. Did they need directions? No. The people knew what to do based on what the king would say before the king even said it. Do we need directions? Yeah, we need directions. We're, you know, we're sinners and we make mistakes and we have shortcomings, all thing. In reality, in God's call in your life and when he asks you to act and where he wants you to turn, do you really need directions or do you kind of already know? You do. So do you need directions? Yes or no? Both. Right? We get to 9 and 10. Watch this one. The king knows the king. The king and God. The king says, who knows? Uh, Maybe God will relent. Maybe he will turn from his fierce anger. Uh, Maybe he will spare us. And in verse 10, what happened? We see that the king knew God. Even in the shortness of their relationship. Does that give you hope? How long... Does it need to take you to get God? Based on the king and the God, and this is right, 9 and 10, 
How long should it take you? Almost no time? You don't even need a direct message? You, you could just start figuring it out and run with it. It's a great concept. I want to point a couple other things to you as we close. Uh, do, you, do you know that there are, um, in, this, in this story, there are four, uh, there's two kings, by the way, there's, there's God, and, and then there's king of Nineveh. Uh, but there's four decorations, four proclamations that go on. And eventually, they all lead to four turns. For repentances. Is God talking to Jonah? Hey, it's time to turn. Here's my proclamation to you. Does Jonah end up doing it? He sure does. There's the shipmaster who makes a proclamation to Jonah. Does Jonah end up having to turn? He does. There's Jonah's proclamation to the people of Nineveh. Do they turn? They do. And then there's the king's declaration about God in verse 9. And God turns. Now here's the one that'll mess with you and twist your brain for the rest of your life. In good ways. Right? It's going to blend your brain. Uh, Can you move the hand of God? Would God take directions from you? Whoa. That's a tough one because we got some pretty thick theology out there. But God gave you the desires of your heart. God gave you the talents that you have. Your passions, your thoughts, your fears. And pushes you a direction that you might respond and follow those directions. When you follow those directions, might it be that God acts in response to those obedient acts of your own? Absolutely. Do we force the hand of God? Never. We we haven't been able to find anything that forces God. Amen? That's thick, thick sarcasm, folks. Dripping. But there is this implication with Jonah with the Ninevites, with the king of Nineveh, there's an interplay. There is an interaction. Hey coach, can I play forward for a little while? Does that kid ever, when that question's asked, does that kid ever get to play forward sometimes? It happens sometimes, right? Maybe not right then. I'm gonna make him wait because he asked me, he asked me in public, in front of a bunch of people. I can't submit to him because it'll look like I'm a softie. I'm going to wait 30 seconds and then I'm going to put him in forward, right? Uh, how great a God to have. Who knows? Maybe he's like that. Who knows? Maybe he has directions for you. Who knows? Maybe they are good news even when they look difficult or too long or whatever your complaint is. Amen? God gives us proclamations for a reason. What directions do you know are for now and are for you?
Where's he wanting you? What's he wanting you doing? How will it turn out? Who knows? But here's a good answer. Better than you thought. Better than you thought. Uh, it's going to turn out so much better for Jonah than he thought that he's going to get angry. <laughs> it's really weird. Chapter 4 is a mess. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful mess. I hope you'll be here next week. Amen? Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you that we both need directions and we already have them. Much like you, Lord, we need you and we already have you. And Lord, help us, forgive us that we try to dance with you a little the way Jonah did. And I pray, Lord, that you protect us from ourselves and show us the right path. Give us clarity. What is truth? What is evil? Help us to know when to speak up. Help us to know when to remain silent. But I pray, Lord, that you would show us what now is. And what where is. And I pray, Lord, for specific details that each of us might follow you in a way that is attractive and draws others in, that they, like the people of Nineveh, would simply believe God and adopt your practices. Really, Lord, adopt you. We thank you, Lord, that you're the kind of God that turns, that relents, withdraws at times, is looking and paying attention, sending us messages, sending us people that we might be delivered, that we might have salvation. Lord, we thank you for the vast amount of correlation between this story and your son Christ. We know, Lord, only you can tell a story like this. And you made so many things pair because you want us to get the message. Pray, Lord, your spirit would guide each of us. That we might take these things to heart and mind and apply. If you're here this morning, If, you're, if you are like the people of Nineveh and you've never believed God and you're finally hearing this and it's finally clear, maybe this morning your decision is to say, all right, God, I believe you. Simple one-sentence prayer. All right, God, I believe you. I accept that you are good news in many, many ways. Give me that. Give me you. And I give you myself in return. Man, if that's your prayer, praise God. And then selfishly, would you tell me? To tell somebody here? 
We want to help. Father, thanks for the offering. Thanks for the church. Thanks for the worship band. Thanks for all the things that you give us in our relationship with you. Pray that you'd use this offering to build and sustain all these things. And pray, Lord, that we would recognize that we do this out of relationship with you. And if we're guests, we need not feel obligated. But we can just witness. We thank you for all this, Lord. We pray this in your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen.